the more you watch cricket, whether it be at your local club or at international level, the more you see the importance of a pre-shot routine. You note with people like David Warner, Stephen Smith, high-profile examples of people who've got a visible routine that they go through. But it's something which is often overlooked. It's often something that people might not engage with because they don't think it's something that they'd be comfortable with. But what I'm going to chat with Lyle uh, today about is the importance of both pre and post shot routines and how they can help you game a cricket. We'll also have a chat about golf as well uh, and also how it can make an impact to the rest of your life by transferring some of the skills and techniques to areas of your life in terms of managing emotions and dealing with stresses and strains which are there. So there's quite a lot here which I, which I think we can we can really unpack. So Lyle, first of all, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Now, we've had some conversations in, in the past along this in different areas, so I'm glad now to kind of get it recorded so that it, it isn't just lost to to the you know the day that we've had it so if you if we start off uh with with yourself what led you to to sports psychology i was actually thinking about this the other day and um it was a i it was a vivid memory of a psychology class at as level Uh, and i was speaking about it actually the other day with my family and um it i remember and i was i was late for for one of the lessons and it didn't happen very often but in this context, I'm really happy it did. Um, <clears throat> so I turned up late, and it was the Moscovici Blue and Green Slides um, lesson. So I sat down, and the teacher said to me, right, Lyle, your task is, uh, put it nice and simply, all I want you to do is tell me whether the, the slides that I put up are blue or green. And I was like, okay, that sounds quite easy. So the first one came up, and it was blue. So obviously I held up the blue blue card, and I looked round, and everyone else in the class was holding up the green. And I was like, what? What's going on here? I was like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. And um, so obviously I was right and everything and, and, and carried on there. And it kept happening. So whatever I put up was different to the class. And I just couldn't understand it. And I was going and I was arguing with other members of the class and, and saying you're wrong and all of this sort of stuff. I think it went on for about 10 or ten or 11 uh, slides before before eventually I kind of succumbed to the pressure and I kind of looked round before I made my mind up. And that was when the teacher said, she was like, that was a test, Lyle. I was just trying to see if you would conform to the majority, and you did. And from there, I think that really kind of um, ignited some of the, the interest that I had within, within psychology and understanding human behaviour. Mm. Um, and obviously combine that with a passion for sport, which I've had from an early age, I think was just kind of, that was my turning point I would say well, that's fascinating yeah now in your experience now that you are you're working in the field what's been the change in terms of sports people particularly amateur sports people's perspective on sports psychology because you don't have to go that far back to see news stories where you would get players admitting to seeing a sports psychology as if it was something that was really shameful now in professional sport we see uh, particularly people like you and I who who kind of go looking for it we see a lot more examples of it being an integral part of of the game what's the the uptake like in in amateur sports people to the kind of things that that you that you offer mm. i think it's definitely central around 
uh, an increase in knowledge. Um, I think, and I think that 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 relates back to any kind of um, aspect of human behaviour in terms of if we don't have a knowledge behind it, we're very uncertain in, in the way that we approach it. Uh, very cautious and and not willing to kind of be open. We're very kind of fixed in that mindset. So in and around probably the last 10, 15 years, there's been an increased awareness and knowledge of not just psychology in general, but also mental health. Um, and I think if you increase the knowledge in and around it, people are going to be more growth towards it. And they're going to be more accepting. I think that's 10, 10 to what I found. I think it's been around in the professional game for a long time, psychology, but I think the FA have taken effective steps within uh, within football. The ECB have done exactly the same thing. So when these top top end establishments and governing bodies make that move i think that then causes more media posts to be to be displayed uh which the general public and the average joe cricketer average joe golfer can can access and that increases their awareness and also their knowledge around it yeah we get the the high profile sports stars if they advocate something whether it be a particular brand they use or a technique there can then be that buy-in from people who play recreationally to think I can grab a little bit of the magic that this person has. So I suppose there has been some of the mental training and mental skills aspects of that that have, have gone along. Now, where you where you tend to work with uh, cricket and golf, these are two sports where we would probably assign them as being heavily mental skills and, and mental strength and toughness and everything else. Just quickly, before we get into the, the, the shot stuff, what parallels and differences do you find between the golfers and the cricketers? Of course, bearing in mind that a lot of cricketers play golf and a lot of golfers play cricket. That's it, yeah. I always recall back to a uh, um, a lesson that I had with a golfing professional and he, 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 I took one swing and he basically said that I'm a cricketer because he could tell by the way that we swing the, we swing the golf club. Uh, very much kind of a cover drive sort of thing. So the the average um, well, the average shot for a, a cricketer in golf is a fade because of that into out sort of sort of move. Uh, but there are a lot of parallels in terms of psychological approach as well. I think um, it's to an extent it's a self paced sport. Um, there's a lot of areas that that we kind of can control in that sort of aspect. I imagine. Well, I, I know that within golf it's more of a self paced sport than cricket, but. Um, in, in terms of differences, I think cricket is a reactive sport. So if you think about when we're batting, um, we have to react to the ball being bowled, whereas golf, we are more self-paced in terms of we can actually decide how long that routine takes. Yeah. Well, this is a, a, a one I've been, I've been muddling over. Um, what do you think is preferable, if, if, if either is, having that self-paced element where you control the time to a large extent, between shots, or being dictated to by when the bowler comes into bowl, which I suppose there's drawbacks to both, but just putting you on the spot, which do you think makes it easier for you to work with, the self-paced bit or the the enforced rhythm of the game? I would say definitely the self-paced, um, especially if we come back to kind of, this is an analogy I use in terms of bubble of control, if we can, can can kind of keep ourselves within that bubble, bubble of control um, as as closely to that or as closely within that bubble as we can, then we're more likely going to have a positive reaction to whatever happens. I think if we are dictated by the bowler or we feel like we're dictated by the bowler, we might miss steps and we might feel like that that 
process is rushed. Um, so yeah, and I would always say to to an extent with, with with clients, always push those boundaries, whether that's with the bowler or whether that's with the umpires. Um, and I go back to kind of to, to the way that I am and the way that I play my cricket. I'm forever being told by the umpires to kind of hurry the game along, but to an extent, I'll always push it to that limit because I'm in control of more of those things. So what I, I kind of say to myself, I'm going to put my foot on on my mark on my crease when I'm ready, not when you're ready. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So that is linking very very nicely into to what we we want to discuss about the pre-shot routine. So this I I'm imagining is about empowering in this case the batter although I, we can apply it to the bowler and and their their pre-delivery routine about giving them power back and control which has largely been taken away from them because there's so much of the circumstance they can't um have direct influence on is is that fair absolutely yeah that would be one of the key things is is and i think you you mentioned it didn't you in one of the videos earlier this week around understanding what we can and what we can't control and a routine and and, and that pre-shot that pre-behavior routine is, is one of those areas that we can control okay so i guess if we start this off what what do you believe then is the importance of of having a, a having your own pre-shot routine. So people will probably agree it's important to prepare. It's important to be in a position where you're ready to to face the ball. But what is important about making that your own technique? I think it's definitely in and around like you like you said there. It's having a unique. It's being unique and 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 kind of. Uh, working out what what works for you as a cricketer, I think it's all good and well watching what happens on the TV and and I would always say to young cricketers, go away and watch that, but don't watch to copy, watch to to build on your on your own technique. Because um, can you imagine like if can you imagine Steve Smith when he was in his first net session trying that different technique? Um, I think we've got to look at it from from that perspective and that works for him. And I think if if us to, if us two tried that in the nets, what would happen with that? It'll be well. I don't think it'll be well, particularly well received. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you if someone's listening now and thinking, yeah, an area of my game that I could look at is my my pre shot routine. What? Where would you start with them? So I'd I'd start by observing first of all. So the first session would really be kind of understanding what is pre existing. Um, and maybe getting into getting into an understanding of why and how that's been developed so far, and then obviously you sit down with them and you discuss goals and targets and and things for that specific routine. Um, but also, I'm watching for consistency because um, one of the big things with a pre-routine there is is how consistent is it. So we might we might actually say that we're doing it, but how consistent are we with that? Does that change when all of a sudden the pressure's on? Because the one thing that we want it to do is hold up when the pressure is on um, because that takes away our attention from the actual situation and we can focus on the process. So we'd start with that. We'd then build in kind of specific moves and specific situations. But I think there's a there's a phase of learning to it as well. And one of the techniques that, that I use, and this, this actually relates to both the pre, pre-shot routine and the post-shot routine, is something called game line. Uh, and this is this the way that we would start with a with a client with this is a physical line. So we get them to bat on the crease, and then we put a physical line probably on the the other the other side of the pitch. So it's probably about two or three foot away from where the crease is, 
and that is a physical line and when they step over that line onto the crease they're switched on so when they step the other side of it they switch off and that's an idea that we came we kind of come up with to help them switch on and off their awareness okay so what what's the importance of switching it on and off I think it's de- the importance of that is highlighting the different types of thoughts that we have. So we have irrelevant thoughts and we have relevant thoughts. And I think it's having this stage where we can physically take ourselves away from the situation and understand that we have these types of irrelevant thoughts and then stepping back on when we're feeling like we're ready to come away. So one of the key things there is actually saying to ourselves that it's okay to have these types of thoughts. What we've got to do is we've got to let them flow rather than try and avoid them. Because if we if we avoid these types of thoughts, we're almost running away from them. Now, scientific uh, research has kind of discovered that you can't you can't negate, you can't get rid of 100% negative thoughts. But what you can do is you can let them flow. And you can let them flow. And then when they are flow, you then integrate your coping strategy, step back over onto your mark, and you're ready to face the ball again. Mm. So I think what we've done there is we've shifted into the, the post-shot routine there, uh, football just bring it back into into the pre-shot routine yeah so um when we're talking about obviously i mentioned the word consistency there that's a massive that's a massive word for me in terms of to uh, actually hold up under that pressurized condition and it also relates to to the control as well so like we said there's a lot of situations within the um the pre-shot routine that we can control and it's a stage by stage process but it also enables you to focus on what you need to as well so there's two there's there's like a there's an outcome focus and then there's a process focused sort of approach. So a process would be that stage by stage um, movement towards actually hitting the cricket shot. Whereas an outcome would be very much thinking I've got to hit this ball for four, I've got to hit this ball for six. Um, now the professionals can do that because their their ability to to regulate their awareness is so quick and so rapid that they can actually physically do that when the bowlers started the run up. But for club cricketers, it's very difficult to do. Mm. Okay, so that's in- interesting to, to think about about what we should be be targeting and focusing our our thoughts on to narrow in there. So, what can, what would be a, a way of people being able to remind themselves to keep the consistency of that pre shot routine? Um. I definitely think by making a note of that, I think this is a really key thing, and it, it's a very, it's a very simple, it's a very simple technique, and just actually, even if it's uh, recording it during a net session or getting a friend to record it during a match, uh, just by becoming more aware, and, and it's similar to what we said before, increasing our knowledge in and around our, our routine, but it's an extent to what we've got to be careful and cautious with that is we don't go into the paralysis by analysis sort of phase. So it's very much keeping us keeping us aware of an understanding of uh, why we do that and how we do that. Mm. Uh, and I think a really, really good kind of thing that worked for me, and I think this is kind of a really good thing that obviously having played playing cricket with myself, I think um, I've been able to develop this over the years in terms of actually understanding a philosophy to my approach towards batting. So for the listeners, I'm an opening batsman and I have been now probably for consistency for about seven years. Um, so I've been able to, to develop my own little philosophy um, and this is based on the values that I, I have as a cricketer and this is one thing that I would urge a lot of people to understand. So an activity that I do with clients is 
to, to help them understand their philosophy and their values is visualize or imagine that you're a brand, uh, you're a cricket brand, and you're uh, pitching your ideas to me and Mark. So me and Mark are the investors. Uh, what do you stand for as a cricketer, and what are your values? I think that's a really good activity to do to highlight sort of your philosophy. Um, and just to give you an example of some of the some of the, the notes that I've made now and a philosophy that I use to approach my game is when I'm opening the batting now, what I'll say to myself, keep it nice and simple in terms of three, three philosophies that I want to focus on. That's leave well, play straight and commit to the shot. And then the way that I've done that is I've ingrained those philosophies into my pre-shot routine. So <clears throat> I'll walk out onto the crease, I'll ask for two. I'll mark my um, my crease line or mark my my two twice until I can see it nice and clearly. I'll then put my foot on on on, on the two, and I'm scanning the field now for for options. But what I'm also doing is I'm looking for commitment areas. So as you can see there, that links into to my philosophy of commit to the shot. I'm looking for areas where I can fully commit to the shot, and it's going to go over the infield, probably for either two or four, but. In line with that, if I hit that shot, a lot of opposition might think, oh, that's, that's edgy. But in my head, that's in line with my philosophy. So that's, no, that's nothing to worry about for myself. And then it also links in nicely with the leave well and play straight. So that's an example of how you can ingrain these philosophies into your pre-shot routine. Mm. And people may well, whether they call it their philosophy or values, will, will may well already be comfortable with what their game is. So they could use that as a as a vehicle to really hone in their their pre shot routine to make sure that's consistent. Brilliant. Yeah, I was actually going to say because I, I think philosophy or values is a little bit. It could be confusing at times. So I was thinking if we if anyone can come up with a good name for it and we can uh, we can carry on from there. Yeah. Well, it depends on the the person, doesn't it? For me, I think that's yeah, it. philosophy and values is something. Yeah, I'd say yeah, I can. I can link with that. For others in the game, if you just say to them, you know, what kind of batter are you? What kind of, of player are you? And this is the thing I remember with, we get this, don't we, with people we play with and against. You'll have guys who play the same way no matter what the context. And that can be really, really exciting. It can be quite frustrating. And then you'll have the people who who adapt even if it's slightly to it. And I think Dravid was saying years ago about how it's not about how you play, it's about how the situation makes you, you play. But even within that, he would still be having his principles of saying, I won't play at a ball that's in on this line. I will make sure that I, I use my feet to spin, as whatever it is. So even if we're forced to adapt... There's coming back to something, a set of values, your belief, like the way you want to play it is really important. And then that's a great over uh, overlap with the rest of our lives and thinking if we know what we want to do, then it's much easier to stay to stay with it when times get tough because we've set out what we what we do. So, yeah, I think that's that's a great way of of approaching it. Um on the golf side of this, there's something that you're telling me about regarding a, a, an acronym you use as a pre-shot routine. So if we have a chat about that, we could see if there's any crossover with cricket. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we mentioned it before, and it's um, the the framework that we use, and like I've used with quite a few golfers now, is is a framework called Osvia, uh, and this was created by a an individual called Ian Highfield, who is based over in the states. Uh, he's done some brilliant work in and around practice methods and 
and how to develop this this pre-shot routine. Uh, so the framework itself is is OSVIA, so it stands for so the O is options. So if we take that in a cricket perspective, it would be weighing up our options. So um, when I put my foot on, on on the two, it's actually looking at the options that I've got, looking at the field, looking for the spaces, looking for the danger areas, and that's assessing the options that you have. Um, the the S is selection. The V is visualization. The E is execution, and the A is acceptance. So, from a just from 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 kind of a, a an overlap sort of perspective, I think what would be there, what would be quite a nice one, would um, would actually probably be of C. So it's O V S E A, and I think that would be quite a nice one, and how it would link in. So. Um, this also links in well with the game, with the game like technique as well. So the O and the V could take place um, over the one side of the game line technique. So we're, we're assessing our options, the the pitch conditions, the bowler. Uh, pre pre obviously, if, if if we face the bowler before, we can understand what he does, what his his stock delivery is, or her her stock delivery is, um, and then also do the visualization in terms of kind of going okay, right, putting yourself into that that situation and trying to mimic the behaviors that you want to show then when we step over to the to the game line and we're actually into the crease we then have to react to the ball which is one of the massive things there so that's the shot selection so obviously cricket there that's where that's where cricket differs from golf in terms of cricket from that perspective there jumps to a reactive sport mm. so obviously we've got that reaction now so we've the shot selection the execution of that shot and then the major one and the really key part of this, and this links in nicely with a post-shot routine, is the acceptance. So there is actually quite nice overlaps there. Obviously, it wouldn't necessarily follow the Osvia framework, but it could be Ovsi. Mm, there's plenty that, yeah, you can take across that. The acceptance is a really interesting one. I, I find that that's the thing which is the hardest for people to do, whether it be in sport or life, is accept what's going on. Because if things are happening that we don't wish to have happened, we'll be resistant to that and look for things to that we want to change, even when they're outside of our control. And I remember reading, uh, I'm just trying to see if it's behind me now, a, a book by, uh, yeah, there it is, uh, uh, Fred Luskin from, I believe he's at Stanford University. He, he's done a lot of work on on forgiveness and his big thing was saying one of the bars in in life to kind of getting over things and moving past it is you've wanted yes but you've got no and the way he framed that more has made me has made me think ever since i read it that actually that's what it comes down to if it's a cricket shot you've wanted it to go well you've wanted the cricket gods to say yes but perhaps you've mistimed it you've missed it whatever it be and actually what's happened is you've been told no and I looked at that and thought, yeah, this is a way of trying to build my own acceptance of situations that I that I can't control to say, I did want something to happen, but it hasn't. So I can either just spend my time being upset about getting no, or I can try and think about, well, what is the what is the situation and what can I get out of it? So with acceptance, is that the bridge into the post shot, do you think? Massively, yeah. And I think... And, and, and we'll say this quite a few times to be fair but that's because how important it is actually understanding what we can and can't control I think I see a lot of lot of cricketers get angry at umpiring decisions 
Um, yeah. And it happens, and it will continue to happen. Uh, and it, it probably is the most frustrating part of club cricket when you feel like you've got a bad decision. Uh, but unfortunately, the umpire is never ever going to going to change their decision. That situation has happened. We have to accept that that happens. And the better we can get at accepting that, the more likely we are to to move on and be able to approach the next situation fresh rather than dwelling on that and then moving forward. Mm. I think that's where we can flip it round to the the bowler's perspective, particularly if a bowler has got a decision that they don't agree with and they've still got to finish the over. They might, they might start to finish their spell, even though they feel they've been hard done by. Yeah. In terms of batting, it may be that that acceptance needs to lie in the fact that your innings is over and that could be your day over. And yes, you might have been looking forward to it all week, but in that moment, there is nothing you can do to change it. But in terms of acceptance of this post-shot routine, we're, mm. we're assuming that the batter is still in to yeah. be able to do this. So, so how do we navigate from there? Yeah, so one, the one thing that, that really links in nicely here is by, by setting ourselves some values or philosophy in terms of what kind of cricketer you want to be, this then holds us accountable to the behaviours that we show. So, for example, if my values were leave well, play straight and commit to the shot, um, the bowler's bowling outside our stump and he's swinging it away and I've had a massive swipe at one trying to cover drive, a glorious cover drive and completely missed it. This now might bring into frustration, it might bring into kind of a little bit of pressure, um, trying to relieve that sort of stuff. So this is where now we can kind of have, and this is the importance of having a post-shot routine. So in that situation, I've just played a rush shot. The one thing that I would suggest to do here is step over our game line because the one thing we don't want to do now is reflect when we're in that situation because what we need to do as quickly as possible is take ourselves away from the situation, give ourselves a chance to calm down and refocus. So this game line opportunity allows us that. So it allows us to go from switching on to switch off. And the way that I do that is I'd step over my line and I look down at fine leg, and I've done it a few times to be fair, and, and it looks like I'm eyeballing fine leg, but yeah. I'm actually not. I'm actually, that's part of my process. And then what that allows me to do is reflect, and that's a massive word, and, and this post-shot routine is all about reflection. So do does my shot that I've just previously played hold up with my values as a cricketer? Well, no. Right, okay, what do I need to do next time? And then visualising the next shot that I need to play. Should I be in that situation again? And then step back over the line. And if the same ball is bowled, hopefully I'll have learned from that and I'll have left it because there's no danger of me getting bowled or no getting out if I leave the ball on that line. So that's a way that we can kind of use our post-shot routine to effectiveness because, again, we are in control of our thoughts and feelings, but we're also letting them flow. So... When I do that, and I, I do this constantly, to be fair, because sometimes you can't help yourself. If, if, you're, if, you, if the bowler's bowling you some decent deliveries in a good spell, you might build up a level of frustration and you might want to just kind of assert your dominance by absolutely cover driving him uh, over the top of, 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 uh, of cover or something like that. And it's just not there to do. So you're going to be a little bit frustrated. So what you don't want to do is take that frustration into the next shot because you then might make a mistake and then you feel silly then. So you've got to give yourself that bit of time to step over your game line, refocus, reset, and then go again. Mm. Do you, I, I think w- what I can reflect on is 
certainly from work with players and my own experience is when the pressure is really being being uh, being felt by by a batsman or, or, or a batter it, it can be because they feel like there's no let up so they'd be facing one delivery and it and it bleeds into the next one. So you've played and missed, and then before you know it, you're then straight back into it. So I think your point there about having that break, even if it is a few seconds, just to separate it, to make sure that you're not taking the next ball in the same uh, approach that you did with the with the first ball. Um, with this, is there anything w- within it where you might, we might extend the ref- the reflection. So, linking back to the values, absolutely. Um, are there any other kind of things that you you find might work in terms of how people perform that reflection? Yeah, and I think that that, that reflection doesn't have to just take place on the crease. So, what we're trying to what we're tr- what I would encourage with any client that I do is to be able to self regulate that reflection. Um, because that develops that self-awareness of these thoughts and feelings. So when we are engaging in in a, in a reflective process, it's actually um, developing awareness of those different types of thoughts that you might have. But that doesn't have to just 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 take place at the crease. It can take place after the match, after the innings. Um, but I think the important thing is to give yourself a little bit of time because if you reflect straight away after getting out, you're your decision-making or the way that you approach that reflection is probably going to be a little bit biased. If you've made a silly shot, you're going to be very annoyed, you're going to be very frustrated, and that's probably going to that's probably going to overlap into your reflection. So the key thing there is to give yourself a little bit of time, even if it's um, the one thing that I try and do is, is obviously go, you're walking back, you walk back into the dressing room, you take your kit off, you put your shorts on, and then go walk around, walk around the circle or walk around the pitch. And that's where I do my reflective process. And I think that's something that resonates a lot with the cricketers that I've spoken to that's their that that's their sort of post innings routine sort of thing so it's actually yeah I think mm. it, it's important to engage in that reflective process as well after your innings as as um has completed yeah and this this just even though we're talking about batting this yeah. applies to almost this applies to everything you're thinking about periods where you might put yourself under pressure or you might want a particular outcome or you take something seriously when it doesn't go necessarily to plan or where there's obstacles in the way it is so important to be able to place some perspective on it and to reflect and to not make these really uh, dramatic judgments on yourself about saying in cricket terms I played that shot badly that makes me a bad player or I've done this presentation at work badly that makes me bad at my job the reflection and the time maybe to remind yourself that this might not have gone well but it doesn't define you I remember um, a psycho I, I remember from a few years ago we did some work with a guy called Paul Russell who's now the a sports site for the Premier League referees so you know he's got a pretty pretty full on job and he was saying about pressure in those kind of moments about them being a crossroads not a cliff face and if people can start to view it as a thing where yes things can go wrong or things go as you wouldn't like but there's always that other side that you can go from it you can take something from it so 
how how easy is it to get people in cricket, in golf, or in anywhere to be reflective? Because we don't seem to be a society that does reflect a lot. We're 100 miles an hour, we're social media driven, we're getting everywhere so quickly, and I sound like my dad whenever I say this, that the pace of modern life is so frantic. We don't get those natural opportunities to reflect. How hard do you find it with with clients and people that you, you speak with to get them to reflect? Uh, definitely. It's a very difficult process at the start, um, but I think it's like anything. It's it's almost like the first time we picked up the cricket bat. Um, it's looking at how we've developed since then, and I think the more that we engage in that process, the easier it becomes. So the easiest way to do that at the moment is almost like a routine, to be fair. Almost not not force yourself, but structure that in your in your into your daily routine. In terms of so Saturday comes along, um, okay, you've batted, you've got nine, you've got out, you've been dismissed um, to a silly shot probably. But right, set to your, set set yourself there before you've even got to the ground on that day. You're saying to yourself, right, whatever happens, if if, if I get out today. I'm going to set myself five minutes after that. That's my time to, to, to reflect and then add a time limit to it and then hold yourself accountable to that. And I think that's the key word is obviously I can't be with the clients 100% of the time. So for a lot of the challenges and the, the tasks that I set, I'll make them accountable for it. And I think if you can do that, that holds up then because it's like anything within psychology. I can give the tools and techniques um, to help you perform, but that client has to take the responsibility to want to add this to the game, to want to improve, and the way that you do that is actually by engaging in the reflective process, and eventually it will become more of a habit, mm. and then it's like bad habits, they're really hard to break, but good habits are even harder to shift, which is a good sign, and actually by engaging in these reflective processes, you're one step closer to creating it a habit. Yeah, half, yeah. Now, final question. In the time that we are living in at, at the moment and all the different ways we could describe it, um, what would you give as a, as a tip or a practice that, that a cricketer or anyone listening could do to make good use of this, this different period to make an impact on their performance, whether it be in cricket, golf or any area? Ooh, good question. Uh, one of the massive tips that I would be would that I would other I would advise is have a look at your cricketing journey and spend a little bit of time uh, exploring that because every experience that we have in life or in cricket in general will have find our path in some way or another. Now those will be good memories, they'll be bad memories, um, but. I always look at it, and when I when approaching this activity, it's a fun, we've been given this fantastic skill called memory, or this fantastic tool called memory, and the idea behind it is actually exploring all those different experiences that we've had in cricket, and I think now more than ever is a great time to, to experience that. So the idea behind it, or the, the way to start it, is get a piece of paper, A3, A4, no matter doesn't matter which one, Get some colours if you're working with, with kids or in adults, doesn't matter. If Be creative with it. Draw a timeline. So start at the start at one end of the paper and draw a time timeline to the other end. And on the left-hand side, so right at the start, that is when that's your first cricketing memory. The first memory that you ever had. So for me, it would be uh, school cricket. 
PE lesson. I remember one of the external clubs came in, and then the next part is your current situation and your current um, your current position. So for a lot of us, it would be the start of the 20, 2020 season, where we're at, some of the goals and some of the stuff, and then everything in between is all your memories and all, all of the things that's that's happened in your cricketing career. I think that's a really nice activity to engage. To actually, for a lot of cricketers as well, it'll be a really, really good pathway to actually exploring how far they've come, but also what they've learned along that process. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I think that is something that I will spend a little bit of time doing to reconnect with the game and, and where it's got me to and how I can get different things from it. So I think that's a that's a great one, Lyle, for anyone who's listening to think, yeah, how am I going to do something to to improve my cricket, to re-engage with it. You've had a fantastic suggestion from uh, yourself there. So thanks very much for joining me. No, thank you very much for inviting me on, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Great, and I'll speak to you soon. Speak to you soon.